Welcome, everyone, and join me, your host, Cole, as we enter the Den of Meverden with the brothers, Andrew and Bryce Meverden. And uh, Andy, today's a little bit different than most recording sessions we have, I would say. Yes, that is correct. We are finally finishing the NFL draft uh, grade reports. And Bryce, unfortunately, is taking a vacation. He's going to he's unable to join us today. So you will have an electrifying podcast today with just Cole and myself. Yeah, we're our goal is to give you the best content ever. So without Bryce, uh, me and Andy, we got we got a little bring something extra today. Yeah. And then after this, let us know what you think. Let us know if we should just kick him out. Say bye. Well, I don't know if we want to go that far, but I think you could actually say who you like more. And if you if everyone's rating Bryce number three, I think that's okay. <laughs> All right, so we're diving into the AFC West today, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, Andy. This class, these four teams—the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos—were all just kind of in eh, for us for the most part. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of picks in the first round, uh, which we we highlighted a lot of the first round already. So it'll kind of be a recap on that first round picks, as well as maybe a little new information with the second and the third rounds coming in and then providing a grade for you. Yeah, let's just jump into this. And you're starting us off today with what team? I, I got the old Los Angeles Chargers right down the street from myself. Um Beautiful new stadium at SoFi that they're going to be playing at. So hopefully they are surrounding their team with the right pieces to make it a great experience at the SoFi Stadium. So the first pick they went with, my favorite quarterback in the draft, although Tua would have been number one if it wasn't for the injury concerns. There was a slight knock on Tua for the injuries. He would have been my number one if there was no injury concerns. But because of that, my number one quarterback was Justin Herbert, Oregon quarterback six foot six 236 pounds and he's a freak ladies and gentlemen he ran a 4.6840 had a 35 and a half inch vertical he's got a pro ready frame he reads the whole field and he's experienced as a pro uh, in pro passing concepts he reads the deep safety he operates well with pre-snap reads he's sneaky with his play, it's not an Aaron Rodgers esque play action where it's a piss poor fake play action. No, he puts it in the running back's stomach, lets him eat it, and then takes it out. It is a sneaky play action. He showed improvement with his footwork over his college career. His throwing process is well balanced, quiet, and repeatable. He can alter his arm slots. And a good comparison for this guy would be Carson Wentz. And unfortunately, he hung three rushing TDs against our Wisconsin Badgers in the Rose Bowl, ultimately beating them. Oh, yeah, Cole. Did I mention? Dude's got a rocket for an arm. I don't think you've talked about it yet. Rocket for an arm. This dude throws BBs, missiles. And then they backed that pick up in the first round with Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, really solidifies this defense. And arguably now, this is probably one of the best defenses in the league, Cole. Uh, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty close to being there. I think that'd be an interesting talking point in trying to rank some of these teams. But 
The Chargers are stellar. They're going to have Darwin James back for a whole season. The dude's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and they they like, can do whatever at all want. levels. They got one of these premier players. I think Kenneth Murray is going to be another premier player. Their their cornerbacks are outstanding. They have an extra cornerback. They got Bosa on the D line. They got Melvin Ingram on the D line. It's insane. He ran a four point five two forty. He had a thirty eight inch vertical. And he's the son of a preacher who helped raise three adopted siblings with special needs. This is a high character guy. High character is what I like to see on my football team. He moves like a safety in space. He fires into gaps, puts the offense behind the chains. He averaged 15 tackles for a loss over two years. He's a good tackler. And he can do it all as a linebacker with his speed, athleticism. It's the whole package. And I also love what Chargers did late by drafting running back Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. I think he'll be a perfect comp to um, Eckler. Eckler's a nice receiving back. But between the tackles, Joshua Kelly should be your guy. And then getting late, late seventh round, they get K.J. Hill out of Ohio State, who I think is an exceptional wide receiver. I gave the Los Angeles Chargers an A minus. Okay. I mean, I can see where you're going. Unfortunately for the Chargers, they ended up drafting a better player in the seventh round than the fifth for receiver, Jeff and KJ Hill after Joe Reed, which, I mean, fine, whatever, but <laughs> I, I don't get it. Uh, Kenneth Murray, I understand the pick. I don't love it as much. I wish they could have went tackle, and I, my key word is could have because there just wasn't an elite one there to get. So I'm fine with it. And it looks like they traded up to get ahead of the Saints for the Kenneth Murray pick, which I'm fine. The dude's super young. He's only 21. His best football is going to be ahead of him. He's not a polished zone defender yet. And I say yet because he has the traits to do it. With the 4-2 or 4-5-2 speed like you talked about, he will be able to. Um, I need him to not false step as much. He does a good job when he commits to going downhill. I just need him to do it more consistently with not taking a lateral step or not taking a back step, going downhill every time. That's my biggest knock. And then it makes you play slower. And you don't want a guy who's putting run. When you're a four or five guy, you got to be playing fast the whole time. So I, I need him to work on that. And I think that's something he really could improve on with Anthony Lynn there in the Chargers because it's, it's looking like it's going to be a really well-run organization for a long time. Absolutely. Justin Herbert was my number three quarterback. I think this was the correct pick for the Chargers. I don't think there there is no other place I'd want to go. One thing that I hope for him is, so their bye week is week 10. Week 11, I think Justin Herbert needs to be in the starting lineup. It's plenty of time to sit, especially with all this mess going on right now with coronavirus, where there haven't been opportunities for them to get and be in contact with their coaches and other teammates. Let them play play through that time frame with Tyrod, whatever your record is. I think they're going to be pretty good during that time just because of how good their defense is, and Tyrod can. Ty, Tyrod, Tyrod but, a lot of people knock Tyrod, but he's a, he's a great game manager. He's a good quarterback. He's not going to make any mistakes. And like you said, the defense is stout. So if Tyrod's not making any mistakes, this team should be, you know, above average, 8-8 eight and eight or better uh, with him not turning the football over. I think the last time he was a full-time starter was the it was the Bills. I think they went nine and seven. Yeah, and they made the playoffs that year. 
And I don't know if this defense is as good as the Bills, but they might be as good. But this offense that he's going to have is for sure better with Hunter Henry, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. So I think he, I think we're looking like at a potential 10-6 and six team. But I really think that even though you might be going for that playoff push, I think Justin Herbert's the guy you want to get in there and into your starting lineup. I think best case is having people sit. And I love playing Justin Herbert after the bye, so he gets two weeks to prepare for his first game. I think that can be a major boost for his playing style and his success. One issue I have is his pocket Mm. awareness. He's had 43 starts in college, and he's had 26 fumbles. And he has, I think he had two offensive linemen that were drafted this year, and he's got one guy who's going to be a top 10 pick next year. So he hasn't had terrible offensive Mm. lines, but I just need him to be a little bit more aware keep two hands in the ball and keep that ball under his chin. And I think that's something that's fairly easy to correct. I ended up with a B. I was just, they were just, it was there for me. He was my number three quarterback. I wish they could have taken a tackle instead of Kenneth Murray. And I liked Patrick Queen more than him. So that's just how like he kind of fell for me with those guys. Right. And I, I think, I think it's a fair assessment. I think it, like we talked about before, I think it all comes down to how much you like Justin Herbert in this draft. And I think Kenneth Murray's exceptional. They could have went to tackle there, but they did um, significantly help their offensive line in the off season. They could have got a tackle though still, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how the chargers do this year. I'm I'm hoping they do good. I would like to see them. See, I've always been a big fan of the Chargers. I prefer San Diego Chargers over the Los Angeles Chargers. Facts. We're sweating hairs at that point. <laughs> okay, so the next team who I get to lead off of is we're going to jump onto the Denver Broncos. And when we get into the Broncos, unfortunately, they had a crap ton of picks in the first couple of rounds again. So we kind of got to look at some of these guys and – The first pick they had was Jerry Judy. Now, we've talked about him before. Great route runner, polished, great in and out of breaks. He led the FBS FBS in 15-yard plus catches. So, for every every pass that was 15-plus yards, he led it. I need him to get stronger on the outside to get off of breaks because he's going to be – like the corners just get more physical now. So, he just needs to get better at that. His combine score was he was only testing the 38th percentile, so that's super low. But I'm not going to lie, it doesn't, like, I don't care. Like, he's just so good at route running, it's not going to matter. He's going to be the number two receiver because Cortland Sutton emerged there. Now, in a Pat Shermer offense, the number two receiver is going to get about 50 catches a season. That's not, like, in a ringing endorsement, and he's probably only going to get about 70 targets. I think it's more likely that Fant honestly has more receptions than him this season just because of the offense that he, he they run. But all in all, like I you can't you can't knock at his pick. It was such good value. They needed a number two receiver. And I think a theme for this draft is they helped out Drew Locke. And like the next pick is their potential slot slot receiver in KJ Hamler out of Penn State. Now the dude's twenty one years old. He's 5'9", 178 pounds. I think he's got a realistic opportunity to be their starting kick returner. I don't think I would have him be my punt returner because he does have major drop issues. He tied in all of college, in all power five, with 12 drops. 
that was the most in college football. He tied with it. So the dude does not have the greatest hands to secure. But the dude's a, he's fast. He would have probably ran in the four threes, probably not as fast as Ruggs, but he would have competed with him for that title. So you got someone who inside can take the top off the defense, especially with Henry Ruggs and Cortland suddenly be able to work that intermediate game and shallow. You got that other guy to take the top off. Now, we talked about the lack of targets for Henry, uh, for Jerry Judy. Ruggs is going to have even less. The dude needs to work on his route stems. Right now, he's only good as a vertical route runner, and that's fine because he's really good at it. But for a guy who can't catch, I'm not really trusting him to go get the ball. So I see him more as a gadget player in year one than anything else. The next guy, uh, cornerback, Michael Omudier, Oja Mudier. 6'1", 205", 4'4", speed. Love that. That is a great combo for a corner. One thing that people were talking is he's going to fit into a heavy press scheme. He played a lot of cover two at Iowa, and people didn't think it was a good fit for him. So I'm interested to see if allowing him to stay closer to receivers and press them will always length the factory and be better. He's got 32 and a quarter inch arms, which is 82nd percentile for a corner. He doesn't have a lot of instincts. He wasn't able to get a lot of interceptions, a lot of play on the ball. And we were talking about him being potentially a better man fit. Unfortunately, he had just like, that's all a projection. He only has 115 career reps in man-to-man coverage because that's just not what Iowa did. So we're, we're banking on traits here with arm length, speed, being able to actually translate to a man cover corner. Next guy is Lloyd Cushenberry of the National Championship LSU Tigers. Now, he's going to be a plug-and-play starter. Another pick to help out your second-year quarterback in Drew Luck to see if he's actually a guy. Two-year starter, team captain. Anytime you can get a team captain, I think it's a home run hit because there's not like there's a lot of them. There's only usually two or two to four on each team. And a lot of the times... They're guys just with great character and not are always great football players. So getting that, I think, is a major uh, upgrade. He's got limitations on his lateral quickness, but, I mean, he's playing center. He's got four guys around him, so it doesn't, like, it's a knock, but it's not, like, it's going to be detrimental to his play. I don't think he's going to get bull rushed a whole lot. He's got a really good job being anchoring and just sitting down. 61st percentile for athleticism. So, I mean, we talked about it's not going to be able to move a whole lot, but he does enough, and he should be able to climb to that second level. He's a physical run blocker, and I'd said he's probably going to start, and I think that's because Connor McGovern left for the Jets in free agency. So his pathway for that is wide open. Uh, they got a guy, Morris Pat, Patrick Morris, who like, they'll compete for, but he's going to win out. And then the last guy is McTelvin. Five-star recruit, went to Arkansas. Four-year starter. Five-star recruit. Four-year starter. Those are things that I typically, like, there's some sort of red flag. There's something happened here that wasn't supposed to. Because he should have probably been gone his junior year. If his traits ended up matching in, he became the player that everyone projects him to be. 88th percentile athletically. So you love to see that. Motor and athleticism are traits to bet on, especially in the third round. Stands up too much in the run game, so he ends up getting his ass kicked every once in a while, and he's not like a sound tactician with his hands or his feet. 
so he can struggle with that. He played on the edge primarily at Arkansas, but he, he's going to have to play inside. He's too big to be put on the outside, especially when you have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller out there. So he's got to learn to play inside. And I think this pick reminds me of uh, the Montavious Adams pick on the Packers had a couple years ago because we're just we're betting on his traits. And if we can coach him up, and Vic D'Angelo's pretty dang good defensive coordinator, we could actually get someone here who can be a major help to our team. I ended up grading these guys a B because there's a few uncertainties. In a few right, I'm with you. I had them at a solid B as well, and I, I had a lot of flags on the, the defensive guys that they drafted, as you highlighted. But if 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 anybody can do it, if I'm putting my money on anybody to coach these guys up, Vic Fangio's the guy. He's stud. Like, he's super good at that kind of stuff, and I'm really hoping that he can – like that's what they got development. So I also ended up giving the Denver Broncos a B, and like you said, Jerry Judy's the first one to come off the board for for the Denver Broncos. Six foot one, 193 pounds. What you see, as you stated, is they are just getting all these parts to help their young quarterback Drew Locke succeed. Because honestly, going back and watching the film from last year, Drew Locke showed a ton of potential. He looked really good, always making the right decisions. He was um, agile. He could, he could, he felt pressure. He got out of the pocket when needed, and he just made the right decisions. So you got a guy, Jerry Judy, here that ran a four point four five forty. He's a polished route runner. He had a thirty five inch vertical. He scored twenty four touchdowns in his last twenty eight games. He's got experience with the pro style routes. Um, He's got fluid hips, easy to transition and turn and break out of his routes. He uses his body well for contested catches, and he operates fairly well in the open field. And then, like you said, K.J. Helmer, they got is a he could be a gadget player, but also he was a slot receiver. He's a little small, five foot nine, 178 pounds. Uh, and as a small guy, he did tear his ACL his senior year in high school. He missed the whole season. Um I mean, sorry, he, that was his freshman year of college where they redshirted him because he tore his ACL. Senior year, he missed high, his whole year with a different injury, and he would have ran a sub 4.4. No questions about that. And he could be used nicely in gadget plays or jet sweeps. The issues are the drops that he had in 2019. But with – it's just all these pieces. They got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and then they got uh, Helmer, who will eventually probably be the slot wide receiver. And, but he does have an unorthodox way of catching punt returns as well, which would be another reason that I would not want to put him as the punt returner. And then we got cornerback out of Iowa, Michael. I'm sorry for butchering your name, bud. Oh, Gemadia. Six foot. I think it's oh. I think it's Ojemudia. I think that's what he's is. he's he's a long, lengthy so. cornerback. It's six one, two hundred pounds. Uh, great speed, thirty six inch vertical, so he can get up there as well. But he didn't time balls in the air that well, so the thirty six inch vertical didn't actually help that much. Um, he had six interceptions though in twenty eighteen, and he, like you said, Cole, he we're betting on traits. He showed some ability to press when they did play man, uh, and he didn't 
allow too many explosive plays, but he doesn't anticipate routes and he's not good in the run support. So, but he is a tall, lengthy corner with untapped on athleticism. So this, this is potentially a star at cornerback, but it could, it's a boomer bust. And that's the same with their D tackle out of Arkansas. It's a boomer bust, but they also got Lloyd Cushenberry, who I think is a good center at from LSU and like Cole was highlighting, he is a high-character guy. The team elected him to wear number 18 with his teammate, Chason, as because he's a selfish attitude, and he played like a tiger, which is what the number stands for, 18 LSU, is selfless attitude, and you play like a tiger. But he was on the O-line. So he didn't get to wear this number because of uh, NCAA regulations. But he did. They did put a special badge on his jersey, highlighting the number eighteen. So he still, in a sense, got to wear it. So high character guy. He won the line. Won the Joe Moore Award for best offensive line in college football. He's powerful with good core strength, long arms, sets up well in pass protection with good posture. He's got great hand placement, but he's limited as a pa- as a as a run blocker. Uh, he ran a 5.29, so he's not going to get up the field and block. But he's a center. So, I mean, usually the guards are the ones pulling, so we shouldn't have to worry too much about him getting up there in zone run schemes. But overall, I gave them a B, like I said. And then we will move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Are you, are you ready for Raiders. Raider Nation? Uh, are you so. ready? Do you like the move to Vegas, or do you wish they would have stayed in Oakland? I'm split because I, I I love these original cities that these teams were in, St. Louis, San Diego, and Oakland. But I think if I had to pick a move that I enjoy the most, Las Vegas is super unique, and I think it makes them a destination place. I I need them to be good to like make me want to go there. But I'm fine with it happening in Vegas. I think sports in Vegas is awesome. No, yeah, it's super fun, too, because it's especially – it's right on the strip. But both SoFi and Allegiant Stadium, I would like to highlight, are totally behind schedule. And both of them don't even know the (laughs) the stadium. I mean, sure, they'll work night and day to get the stadiums ready for opening day. But both stadiums – I see I see SoFi out here. I see it, and it doesn't look like it's ready, but apparently it's going to be ready week one. And then I got buddies over in Vegas that say, I don't know about if Allegiant's going to be ready either for game one. So it's going to be interesting to see if those stadiums get on, done on time. I'm sure they will. They'll work night and day to get it done, but they're, they're, they're coming to the end of the clock. Well, even if they're not, like, totally done, as long as they have the locker rooms in the fields done, like, they can get away with not doing it, like, just having right. that, right? Because we might not have it having fans anyway, so what's the point of... <laughs> right, okay have a game. <laughs> have a game and you'll see some construction guys still in the background <laughs> pounding out nails to finish the, the seats. <laughs> <laughs> they would be so good. You, someone scores a touchdown. Just start <laughs> no fireworks here. We just got hammered nails. <laughs> but but the Raiders started off with Henry Ruggs the third wide receiver out of Alabama, five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty eight pounds. What I would like to highlight the Raiders have done for the last 
two years is unapologetically they're going to draft the guy that they want. They're not going to go back in the draft. Wherever they are, wherever they stand, they draft the guy that they like. Which, in a sense, I like it, but at the same time, I hate it. Because you could have probably traded back on some of these guys and got more acquired more draft picks um, and made more picks and still got the guys that you wanted. But for some reason, they, they don't care. They say – they're. Henry Ruggs is our number one wide receiver on the board. He's probably three on everyone else's board. We're going to take him right here. Same with Damian Aronette. And last year they had a bunch of guys. Farrell who drafted way early. So unapologetically, they are going to overdraft guys, not trade back. If it's a guy they want, which Cole likes to highlight, if, if it's a guy you like, it's a guy you want, just draft him. Yeah, go get your guy. Go get so, your and guy. that's go what the Raiders guy. do. So Cole probably loves the Raiders draft. Me, not so much. But starting off with Henry Henry Ruggs, which is he's he's a he's freakishly athletic too. Four point two seven forty, um, and I'm going to compare him a lot to Tyreek Hill here because Tyreek Hill ran a four point two nine. Henry Ruggs has got a forty two inch vertical. Tyreek Hill also has a forty two inch vertical. All right. Henry Ruggs averaged 18.7 yards per catch. And just a, just a side note, his touchdown celebrations honor his best friend that he lost in a car accident. Um, Ruggs was also supposed to be in that car. But he was sick that day, so he was not in the car. So that's why we still see this man playing football, and he dedicates those touchdowns to the buddy that he lost. But he's got soft, reliable hands. He's a talented kick returner. He did have some issues against LSU corners. Uh, he needs to learn how to release from that press coverage. But he's but un, unlike Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's a freak at tra- tracking the deep ball. Henry Ruggs is just average at tracking the deep ball. And I saw Henry Ruggs as a later first round, not super late first round pick, but right around the 20 range. Um so I didn't li- love him where they drafted him. I, I had Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb in front of him, and I believe I even ranked Justin Jefferson in front of him. So, uh, And then they went with Damian Aronet, another guy, cornerback, Ohio State, six foot, 195 pounds from the cornerback factory of the world. He ran a 4.5640. <laughs> another guy that I believe was overdrafted. Um. He may have to play zone, though, since he doesn't have a good speed burst. He might he might be a lot like a Richard Sherman where he doesn't have enough speed to, to play man coverage. But he did play inside and outside cornerback. He has NFL size. He's a good run stopper. He has upper body strength and sheds tackles. I saw him going in the second round. And then we had Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky, kind of a gadget player. You could play him at wide receiver, running back. He's very versatile. He won Paul Horning Award as most outstanding all-purpose player his junior year because he also played quarterback. Um, and he, you could see him as a slot receiver, gadget player. He's a great return man. He runs the ball with good vision. And when he is catching the football, he tucks it quickly to protect that football, which which is a, a great trait of a slot wide receiver. 
And then you got Brian Edwards, wide receiver out of South Carolina. This is their big body wide receiver that they went and got, which I found it interesting that they still drafted quite a few wide receivers considering, you know, they drafted Henry Ruggs early. They still have Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams. They got Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones. Um, but yeah, they got the big body wide receiver out of South Carolina. He's got very good size strength. He had consistent production against SEC teams, which is a good sign. He's able to catch the ball in, in a crowd. He creates space. Well, uh, but drops, another guy with drops were an issue in his career and he needs to become a better route runner. And then we had the Clemson product, Tanner Muse, linebacker, six foot two, 227 pounds. He ran a 4.140, 34-and-a-half inch vertical. This division I see I have found drafted these guys that were pretty freakishly athletic. I think that was the theme of, of this division is drafting guys that were super athletic. And you might see that because of the, the athletic guys in their division. He continued to progress throughout his college career. He redshirted. Uh, and then was a sh- th- th- I like this guy because it just shows his grit, his dedication, his his ethics to work hard. He redshirted his first year, then he was strictly a special teams player the next year. He won co-special team player of the year that year, and then worked his way into the starting lineup the year following that. He had 14 career passes broken up and seven interceptions. This dude just got a knacked for finding the football, and that may be because he was a center fielder in high school and he tracks the ball well. He stays home on trick plays and diagnoses runs quickly, so he's got great football IQ. He played safety, but he's going to switch to a a coverage linebacker. I saw him later, though, probably in the sixth round even, but I do like Tanner Muse. I ended up giving them a B- minus. the Raiders. Andy, this is another day when we are pretty similar on a lot of our uh, grades. I, as well, gave the Las Vegas Raiders a B-. That's right, baby. Great minds think alike. Now, they do. They really do. And I want to st- I'm going to go backwards here. I want to start with Tanner Muse. So the Raiders come out this offseason with a glaring hole at linebacker. They signed the guy from Chicago, Nick. Nick starts Nick Nick with a K, and they also signed the biggest linebacker that was out there, the best Corey Littleton from the Rams. Now we go get Tanner Muse, who, not gonna lie, I was quite skeptical on this pick when it happened. But Nick, the Nick cannot, he's not good in coverage. So Tanner Muse has an immediate role as a sub packaged linebacker, where I think he will most likely succeed in that kind of role. He's he's going to be 6'2", 230, so he might have to go up to like 235 to be able to play inside the box. But as a sub-linebacker, I'm totally fine with it. The next guy, Brian Edwards, and I think with the Raiders, it, a theme could have also been pedigree. We look at Alabama, Ohio State, Kentucky. We look at a guy who just did everything, but then we also look at Clemson a little bit later. They, they went and got guys who won and knew how to win and worked for it. Now, Tanner Muse is also 24, so he's a bit older of a prospect. And they also got the other guy from uh, Clemson in the fourth round, John Simmons, as a guard. 
Four-year starter in South Carolina was Brian Edwards. 76% of his receptions were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Deep a whole lot. He also has or is the 11th youngest receiver in the class, so he's super young guys, so hopefully we can build off of that. And I think a lot of people think this guy could be a grooving grinder, that old-school West Coast receiver who's catching hitches, slants, five-yard, ten-yard outs, uh, drags coming across the middle. So I think he that was a total on-brand move for John Gruden. Now, Lynn Bolden. The Gruden grinder. Lynn Bolden's super interesting. So he's wearing number 33. So he was drafted as a running back, but he's going to play what they call their joker position, which is a running back or receiver that lines up in the slot and in the backfield or as a uh, kind of an H-back hybrid off the line, off the tight end. So he's going to be moved around a lot, which I think is really going to hurt him from the fact that, like, he's just not going to be able to get into the system and get a lot of the language and learn the variety of spots he's going to play. So we might see a very limited production on offense, but I do expect him to, like, handle some of the punt and kick return duties. Uh, And the last thing I kind of want to touch on, when he was a receiver, between 60 and 70% of his production came from the slot. Now, with the way they're looking with their roster lines up, Henry Ruggs has got to play on outside now because you have Lynn Bolden and you have uh, the other Clemson kid whose name is somehow escaping me right now. Hunter Renfro. Yep, who are going to play in the slot. So it's just – and then you have Nelson Aguilar there right now. Like, that's a crowded slot room right now, though I don't think Nelson Aguilar is any good at all. So, like, <laughs> Lynn Bolden should probably be able to beat him out if that's where they give him the majority of his time. Next on to Damian Arnett, and I agree with Andy here, overdrafted player. But he allowed a passer rating against him of 60.6. That's pretty good, I've heard. He's committed four penalties in 2019. He's slow, so like you said, he's probably going to have to play zone or in the slot. But they drafted a different kid, Amik Robertson, who's probably going to be a better slot guy. So they got to figure out how to get this guy to play uh, outside. PFF said he was a day two pick, three-year starter. He's 24 now, and I know he had some sort of off-the-field issue with, like, not wanting to come back or deciding, like, it was there was something academically or it was just, like, an issue with the coaches. Don't remember what one it was exactly, but I know it wasn't one. I know it wasn't both. He allowed a 45% catch rate a rate of 5.5 yards per target. So that's not like, those are really nice numbers. He's aggressive man corner. Who's going to struggle downfield. He only had four picks in his career at college. And that's playing opposite of guys like Jeffrey Okuda, Lattimore, Denzel Ward, where he was getting a ton of targets thrown at him. So he's not going to give you a ton of ball production. And the last guy to touch on is the fastest wide receiver in the 2020 NFL draft. Henry Ruggs the third. And he touched on it. Not a super tall dude, only 5'11". But his hand size, his hands are big. They're 10, they're 10 and 8 inch hands, which is a 91st percentile among receivers. He's going to, I think he's got a pretty good like spot he's going to fit as a burner next to Tyrell Williams. He's probably going to take more of the mid-range zone. And Hunter Renfrew, who's definitely more of that slot guy. And then five drops in three years. That's really nice to see. And that comes from having such big hands. Now he's only hit, he had limited production 
just because there's so many mouths to feed. And what's crazy to me is, so do you know who led Alabama in rece- receptions last year, Andy? I thought it was, is it Jerry Judy? I thought he led the FBS in. No, he led the, he led their team in yards and touchdown in yards, not touchdowns. Devon Smith led their team in receptions and touchdowns last season. Wow. That's a good stat. Yeah. That's, that'll be another receiver that comes out of Alabama. Next year's receivers class is going to be insane too. There's going to be two Alabama receivers drafted again next year. Right. It's just a loaded class. And 20% of his reps came from the slot in college. So he's used to playing outside, which is lucky for him. That is where he's going to be playing for the Raiders. So again, B minus for them. And I think we should jump to the, if I, if I, somehow this is just so perfect, Andy, I don't know how we plan this out, but the last team we're doing, there's no planning on this show. (laughs) The Kansas city chiefs, are the last team we're going to do, and they were the last team standing at the end of the NFL season, basking in their glory as they stood above everybody else. Just perfect. Chiefs, I gave a B. I thought their drafting was fine. I wasn't, like, overstellar with it. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the perfect running back for them because he is the best in pass the game. He's not the best running back, but he's the best fit for the Chiefs, and I love that they did this. They did not help their defense really a whole lot, which, I mean, they're just going to say we're just going to score 100 points a game, and that's just going to be that. So they say we got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. What's the defense? <laughs> I, I honestly don't think they know. But Clyde Edwards-Lair looks a great pass game. Joe, this was the guy that Joe Burrow raved about. Every interview, and they're like, oh, who did you like playing with the most? Who was the best player you played with? It was always Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is Joe Burrow's boy right here, which makes me like him a little bit more. Their pass game we talked about is going to be insane with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and now Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who most linebackers are not going to be able to match up against. And it's all going to be singles. So, we're going to get a ton of swing passes with Kaiser's Lair. Kaiser's Lair is going to break up the middle, run a five-yard out, and just be torching some linebackers badly. I don't think he has enough long speed to, like, hit home runs in the running game. But, I mean, if I can get those chunk plays at 10, 15 yards from him, I'd be super happy. And he's a super smart guy. He's going to be able to pick up the blocking scheme of what the old line's doing on run plays. He's going to know who's going to pick up in pass protection. And on these option routes, he's just going to eat. Yeah, Cole, if you don't mind me just jumping in on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I believe I feel like he needs a nickname. So if he doesn't have a nickname yet, somebody's got to come up with one. But he did, like you said, he doesn't have that breakaway get, breakaway speed. He only ran a 4.640. But another guy, 39.5-inch vertical. He had outstanding ball security. And Cole was talking about getting those chunk yards. 36% of his carries were either for first downs or touchdowns. He runs low with great balance. He falls forward and finishes his runs, which allows him to get that extra yardage to move the sticks or get the ball in the end zone. And he's got instinctive eyes and feet, which make him unpredictable for linebackers. So even though he's got that 4-6 speed, his vision, his feet, his footwork make it 
like he's a little bit faster, but when he gets out in open field, he's not going to run run away from you. But perfect fit in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' offense, getting those swing passes out of the backfield and running out of a shotgun formation. The next guy to hit on is Willie Gay Jr., who was a late riser in this draft but ended up skyrocketing pretty high. He's a downhill physical linebacker, and he ran a four four six. PFF gave him a coverage grade that was the best of any linebacker in this class. And I think that's extremely valuable for the Chiefs who are going to say, hey, we're going to score 45 points. If you want to beat us, you got to score 46. And a lot of times it's going to have to happen through the air. He has had um, some time off during the season, so he hasn't got He was taking a break. He should have. So he was taking a break. He was, he was having a truly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he definitely, <laughs> truly needed something. This dude, I mean, I need his IQ to get better, and I think that'll come with reps. Uh, I think he's going to compete for that will spot right away in base, and he'll definitely have value in sub-package. And I think something important that we have to talk about this guy is his off-the-field issues. Now, he missed eight games in, 29 game, in 2019 with a cheating scandal. Is what I'm reading right now. Yeah, it was an uh, academic tutor issue, is what they called it. I'm pretty sure somebody was doing his homework and got he got caught. There's what else are you doing I, with your tutor? <laughs> that, that that's an academic issue. Like <laughs> there's nothing else, my man. They take a test, but like, how are you doing that? Teacher, teacher. Uh, can I go? Can I go uh, take this test in the tutor's office real quick, and then I'll bring it back real quick. Just real quick. It'll take me like ten minutes. <laughs> and then he also, the year prior, he punched his, his quarterback, quarterback in the face, his starting his quarterback. <laughs> I the dude wasn't punished. He didn't miss the bowl game. He didn't miss anything. Broke his jaw. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. He they said, hey, can matter. the kid help us win games? Let him play. <laughs> so, I mean, I, if Willie Gay punches Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I think there's going to be some major issues oh, in that locker if he, room. If he I punches Patrick Mahomes, he is a dead man walking. That whole Chiefs team will take him out. <laughs> Fat Andy will take him out. <laughs> Andy coming off the top A rope. big old elbow drop coming from Andy Reid. <laughs> He'll make him run his uh, make him run his McDonald runs. He said, "You're no longer a football player, son. You are a McDonald runner." <laughs> I I mean, it's a fine pick if they can control him, but like, oh, that punching the quarterback thing really kind of irks me the wrong way. Mainly punching a team match teammate should like drive me crazy. Punching a teammate drives me crazy too. But your quarterback of all people, your quarterback, you're going to punch your quarterback. This dude wears a red shirt, a red Jersey in practice. So you don't hit him. You don't even get to tackle him. Why are you punching him? Well, obviously he wasn't like having enough production that day. He couldn't, he couldn't tackle him. So, I mean, what's the next best thing? I guess sock him in the face. (laughs) I guess. I I don't know. But I I mean you wanna jump in anymore. I, I think you hit him pretty pretty well, but yeah, like his traits. I off the field stuff, big question. His his 
his characteristics as an athlete and as a football player jump off the page, though. They're, he's super athletic. Another guy, 4.4640, 39.5-inch uh, vertical. He reads quarterbacks' eyes well, jumps routes, hits hard, and finishes tackles. His frame, he's got a good frame with lower body thickness, but the off-the-field issues make this guy drop down the board. And is this guy gonna is this guy gonna do anything crazier, more severe to get a significantly longer penalty? I don't know. So you're kind of rolling the dice. Another guy that athletic traits are nice, so you're gonna take a, you're gonna take a gamble on him. I think with the Chiefs, and I mean, they 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 took the honey badger, they. They had Kareem Hunted. They just said bye to him. So I think Willie Gay is going to be on a really short leash. Yep. But, and that leads us to the final guy who we are going to talk about in our draft grade series. And that man is Lucas Nyang. 6'7", 328. 27 starts at right tackle for TCU. That is where I would probably project him eventually competing for a job. But the dude just had like hip surgery, so where's he's Bryce? Not gonna be like, yes, Bryce. This guy's terrible. He we had a hip surgery. He had a oh, hip no. surgery. He can't play. I, I think we talked about like in the third round, it's worth taking a risk on some of these developmental prospects. I think if you hit on them and they can stay healthy, they're great value. And that's what I really think Lucas Niang is. He's a guy who probably is not going to play in year one. And I honestly hope he doesn't. Let that hip heal fully. He's got great tools. He's got good body size. His arms are 34 and a quarter inch, 79th percentile offensive tackles there. Just, I think it's such good value. And he's a, he's good. He's good in the run games. He opens up lanes. He, he opens up his hips in the pass game too much, which let's be real here. The Chiefs need better blocking, pass blocking tackles than they do mm-hmm. run blocking. So they really need to work on him. And I think with they just signed uh, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, if he plays well, is going to get a long term deal. He potentially in a couple of years to take that right tackle job. But I think this is a guy who we draft for a year, he sits. The next year, we're looking at the swing guy if we need to back up. And then the following year, year three hopefully takes that step and can actually be the star for us. I gave the Chiefs a B. I was fine with it. There was nothing that I was like, oh, that's incredible. Loved the Clyde edwards Blair pick. Gay has issues. Nanny yeah, has and issues. I was right there with you. I ended up giving them a B minus. Um, Alaire, love. Gay and Nang, freak athletic, but there are some issues. Uh, Lucas Nang had, has great football IQ, and he actually show, he had a good showing against Chase Young and Nick Bosa. So that, that is a lot of promise there. His hands and hips work well together. He's got good athleticism, but he's a little top-heavy. He's got skinny calves, and the footwork isn't great. And like we said, he's got the, the labrum. He just had a torn labrum repair surgery. So, yeah, overall B-. minus. I don't think they did anything terribly wrong, and I think they got guys that – could with potent they have a lot of potential and could be great players in the NFL, but there are some issues with them. 
I think that's a like when drafting players in general, the your first hundred picks are guys you want to be able to help your team. Those are the guys who I don't want to miss on. But when we get into rounds four through seven, those are your flyer picks. Special teams guys or guys you think have great, crazy seals. I, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, the second second round bordering edge, you'd start to maybe uh, gamble on some players. But definitely in the third round, throw the dice out, roll them, baby. Because those players, most of the time, aren't going to pan out anyways. Yeah, I mean, you're only hitting on so much, uh, so much percentage of your draft a year. And if if I miss on a guy, I'm missing on a guy. I like the idea of doubling down, doubling down, which we actually saw from a couple of teams in this draft, in the especially in the AFC West here. Yeah, take a lot, take a lot of the same position, <laughs> and one of them's got to pan out. Yeah, a ton of receivers in this class, to be honest. With the AFC yeah, West. I, I think you're going to see that Between, from, for the next 10 years at least. So just um, there's there was a stat out there that California had like 55-star recruit wide receivers. High school wide, five-star recruit wide receivers. Five-star. Yes. They're going to have to add another <laughs> star. They're going to have to make some people six-stars because – you can like five stars are supposed to be like the top of the top. Like you're only supposed to give like maybe twelve out a year, because that's like those guys will be so good. You have to make another. You have to like oh that was a six. That's a six star prospect. Why is yeah, he so better? Because he might start. Day yeah. So one. what they're showing know. now is like most of the kids are playing wide receiver and quarterback. You don't have as many coming out as running back because you see how in the NFL they're inter- pretty interchangeable, but Wide receiver right now and quarterback are the position the kids want to play. Well, I think with quarterback and receiver, there's a lot of correlation there. I think that if I have – because most of the time your quarterback is one of your top five athletes on the team. So if I have a senior quarterback and a junior quarterback, and my junior quarterback's a top five athlete on my team, well, I want to get him reps. I want him to play because he's just that good. I'm going to play him at receiver. Teams start noticing him, and they start talking coaching, and the coach is like, yeah, this dude's going to be a really nice quarterback for us next year. And I'm like, okay. So now I bring him in as an athlete. I get the choice of playing him as receiver or corner. And you just see so many quarterbacks just transfer. Like Zach Brown, he was a quarterback in high school. Now he's a linebacker. Groshek. Played quarterback in high school at Amherst, and I was a running. Back I played against him. Yo, did you? Oh my! I'm sorry, my man. We played against my school. Played against them the year they won the uh, state. Holy! Cow, Amherst was at our conference, bro. Show. We played them twice a year. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I think we got a nice little story here at the end about some. Uh, Small town kids having success. Uh, is there anything else you want? That to is our exact message. Has been the start from the beginning, and that's hopefully will carry us throughout. Is we're just small town kids, and we're looking for big things. And the only way we're going to get there is with your support. And we hope that you enjoy listening to this. We hope you can provide some feedback to us and talk to us. We would love to talk to our fans, uh, and you can follow us at Team Everton on Twitter 
at the Denim Everton on Instagram and at the Denim Everton on Facebook. We appreciate your support thus far and look forward to growing this with you all. Thank you to all for joining us through E today. And I look forward to next time when you all step into the Denim Everton. <laughs>